Hello everyone, this is J. Dylan Proctor with Kingdom of the Lagos. And in this one-off program, let's talk about this situation with the border children. There's a serious issue, and this issue, it fragments into a lot of other serious issues, but we're going to make an attempt to tackle them in this video. There are a lot of people who are demanding change right now. You can get on Facebook, you see this all over the place, and in fact, that's what moved me to go along and change our topic for this week to address this issue. But I caution you right now, in the midst of a lot of people demanding change, we really need to have a clear definition of what change is. Change, and I caution you, change actually has no moral value. That may sound surprising, but it actually doesn't. Change can be a good thing, change can be a bad thing. Change has no moral value by itself. We need positive change in this situation, and not just change for change's sake. And I hope I can keep your attention for this, because we're going to really deep uh, take a deep dive into a lot of different aspects of this issue and, and talk about a lot of different things. So right now, this is something which the church really needs to respond to, but we have to respond to it with reason. We need compassion and truth here, and a big emphasis right now is on the and, because a lot of times people really like the idea of love, and they twist that into whatever they want it to be, but they don't like the idea of Christ being the logos. They don't like this sort of um, orderly transformation in the world. They don't like to, to get down in the, the dirtiness of, of actual meaningful transformation in the world. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, but again, it, it requires a little bit of grit to get down there and do it. One has to be able to, to roll up their sleeves and, and get dirty sometimes when bringing transformation. All right, so in this video, we're going to address four different topics. Um, the first one is that this current outrage was instigated by the social media outrage mob. The second topic is that even though it was instigated by the outrage mob, it still is a tragic situation which must be addressed and it needs a moral response to it. Item three, the antidote to this is not more government. The antidote is compassion and truth, not compassion with the rejection of truth. Item four, many people leap from the notion that, quote, we are citizens in the kingdom of God, end quote, to the conclusion that there should be no limits to the governmental jurisdictions of this world. We've got a meme that actually has that particular quote in there we're going to be talking about, but we'll get to all that later. But in general, we do see this sentiment, which is a good sentiment that says, oh, we're children of God, we're citizens in the kingdom of God. If you're a part of my congregation, if you listen to our program, you will hear me say this a lot. However, the fact that we are citizens of the kingdom of God doesn't mean that we should have worldly governments that have no limit to their jurisdiction. It's just, it's a, a ridiculous conclusion from that claim. To my knowledge, there are about 12,000 children involved in this situation. And when you look at this, again, the numbers, they, they can be a little bit confusing looking at this because people look at different time frames, but it seems that there are about 12,000 children currently at the center of this crisis, and 10,000 of those are unaccompanied minors. That is something which is really important to keep in mind. Change in this situation must be defined, but also the crisis situation itself must be well-defined in order to have an orderly and meaningful change. But the problem is, and you'll find this being on Facebook or YouTube or anywhere that you might be, is that there is a lot of sophistry going around about this issue. And there are a lot of people out there who want to use your own empathy, your own virtues against you. They want to use your empathy, your compassion to manipulate you. Whenever they, they see people who have virtue, they say, oh, look, we can throw them something like a tragedy involving children, and now we can get them to do whatever we want. There's a lot of sophistry out there, and if you're not familiar with what sophistry is, it's basically fake news. One thing I'm happy about in our current culture is we have the term fake news, which is a down-to-earth way of describing sophistry. 
And sophistry basically amounts to arguments that sound good or maybe they feel correct, but they're actually false. For instance, somebody saying, oh, there's this crisis, go out and do something, demand change. It sounds true, but without a definition of what change is, it's kind of a hollow thing. We find a lot of things in our world which sound good. Sometimes they're blatant lies that are masked. Sophistry and fake news, they are basically really good lies. They're, they're really well-developed lies. They hide in rhetorical skills. They hide in virtue. And it's ultimately evil and devastating because they're inconsistent with reality. They're not reliable. This situation with the, the children at the border, it is littered with sophistry and fake news and people trying to manipulate you by using your own virtues against you. So as we enter into this conversation, beware. And even as we move forward as a culture, beware. There are people who want to use the virtues that are passed down through the church against the church to destroy it. Do not sympathize with these people. Do not, well, do sympathize with them. Make, make the distinction between the virtues and the vices of the world and make the distinction between individuals and the vices of the world. You can sympathize with the in individuals, but do not sympathize with the vices. Let me be clear on that. As we look at the world around us, there are people who will, will say, well, look at this, use your virtues, and then they turn it against you. All right, so let's jump towards the, the beginning of where I want to start in this conversation. Because if we're going to be intellectually honest about this, we have to first step back and say all immigration is not the same thing. There are a lot of people who want to place everyone under the umbrella lump immigrant if you are moving from one place to another. And I'm using the word immigrant with an I, not immigrant with an E. But of course, this is a bit ridiculous. We know that there is legal immigration and illegration. And moreover, there are some people who move from one land to another without being necessarily immigrants at all. You find some people who are conquerors, some people who are pilgrims, some people returning to a, a family home that was there in their history. There are a lot of reasons why people would move from one place to another, and it's not always the same thing. So whenever people want to, to blur the lines and obfuscate the difference between legal and illegal immigration, always be suspicious of people who are blurring lines. That's, that's always a bad thing to do. The people who really started this did not start with Christian assumptions. And when I say starting this, I'm talking about the outrage. There's a lot of modern outrage about this. They did not start with Christian assumptions. They instead start with secular and, and really anti-theist assumptions where they view the government as God. These people, they will prey on the church using our own virtues against us, and we cannot let, us, let them come and lead us around. We can't be children um, used as pawns. And literally in this case, there are children who are being used as, as pawns. We can't let these sort of things happen. Often, if you follow our program or you're a part of my, my congregation, you'll hear me talking about taking the Lord's name in vain. And taking the Lord's name in vain is much more than an, exp an expletive. In fact, it's a lot of times us branding our own will as if it's God. In this situation, you see it all the time. I haven't had the news on much lately. I don't watch a lot of TV news anyway. I do a lot more reading. But whether you're reading or you're watching news, you find a lot of people who have just brought up Scripture. They're normally people who are very against Scripture, but they'll bring it up and use it to justify whatever they're wanting. And this is really taking the Lord's name in vain. You see this on the right and on the left. Uh, it always bothers me when people, they use Scripture to justify whatever policy they're, they're putting forth. Jeff Sessions did this recently. Um, the Cuomo, the governor of New York recently, he was doing this as well. You find people who will pick Scripture and they'll use it to justify their own will. That's a bad thing. Well, let's get the ball rolling on a conversation. I don't want to be too hung up in the, the weeds here as we're getting started. I want us to start by looking at a meme that was put out by the general superintendents in the Church of the Nazarene. They're basically the popes in the Church of the Nazarene, if you're not familiar with the Church of the Nazarene. 
Obviously, I'm a, a minister in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm a, a reverend in the Church of the Nazarene, if you're not aware. But they put out this meme, if you can really call it a meme. Mem- memes are generally a bit more stimulating than this, but let's take a look at it. The statement they put out says as follows. The Church of the Nazarene, as a global family, affirms our citizenship in God's kingdom and cannot support the separation of children from their parents at the USA-Mexico border. And up under it, it is marked Board of General Superintendents, June 2018, at Nazarenes for Peace. All right, so that's a statement that no one really is going to be upset with. And in fact, it's not actually one that says a lot one way or another. You can really interpret that a lot of different ways. It's not actually a very strong statement, which is a little bit why I take issue with it. Because I'm not sure that there's actually anyone in favor of children being separated from their families in this particular situation. And if they are, they're certainly an anomaly and not someone who is in the mainstream of thinking. So let's go back to point one. The current outrage mob was instigated by the social media outrage mob. Currently, they are the most powerful force in our culture. And if you're not aware of how powerful the social media outrage mob is, you're, you're being left out of the picture. It is immensely powerful. It doesn't really manifest a lot in the physical world around us, but it manifests a lot in policy and where culture is pushed. So that social media outrage mob is one force to reckon with. And as a whole, it is responsible for instigating this outrage. And I bring this up because it really is important, because the outrage mob is also the one who's demanding change. The outrage mob as a whole is not very interested in dissolving of the nuclear family. Again, right now they're upset about children being separated from their parents, but if you look throughout history, and when I say history, I'm meaning in the last few months, they're not upset about this normally. In cases like abortion, divorce, parents going to war, single parenthood, and all of those situations, they couldn't care less about parents being separated from their children. And you cannot ignore that, because these people, they're trying to manipulate us. This very scenario was going on under the the Obama era. Again, I really don't like to get into politics, but the outrage mob was silent in the Obama era, and now they're they're really into it in the Trump era, and that is something which you have to be suspicious about it if you're going to be intellectually honest about this. If you're going to be intellectually honest, you've got to recognize that it's wildly inconsistent how the outrage mob works. So we need to point that out, and we need to be considerate of it, because it leads us to the question, why did the outrage mob pick this particular thing to be outraged about. It was Again, it was happening a few years ago under Obama. In fact, the first pictures that were being sent around on this topic were of children in cages, which came from 2014 under Obama. They were branded as being the Trump era, or at least implied they were, but once word got out that they were from 2014 under Obama area, all of it was scrubbed from the internet. Just a few places like the AP actually had a formal statement about this. A lot of places just preferred to scrub it. And Again, they they sort of ignored that, and they moved the outrage back to our current political situation. The outrage mob is right now demanding change, but they do not define what change is. The outrage mob that started this current cycle of, of rage and instigation, they do not have the moral fabric to produce positive change, period. They clearly don't care about the nuclear family structure. Modern psychology tells us that being raised in a nuclear family is one of the most important things for a child to have, if they're to have healthy development. When we look at matters such as crime and antisocial behavior, and sidebar here, antisocial behavior is not being shy or introverted. 
but it's actually destructive behavior to the self and to society. But don't get me started on antisocial behavior because I'll talk about that forever. But when we look at antisocial behavior and things like recidivism, which is, of course, people's likelihood to grow up and go to jail and then end up back in jail and in prison, one of the largest factors in people being life course, persistent, antisocial actors is them not having a father. Not having a father in the home is the biggest thing which causes people to end up being lifelong people, basically, in the cycle of in and out of jail. When we look at society, one of the biggest risk factors for having an antisocial life is not being raised in a nuclear family structure. And the further you get away from that nuclear family structure, the more trauma you have in a child's development. You can play with the formula a little bit. You can have grandparents who raise a child. There are rare circumstances where a parent may die. Both parents can die and a grandparent has a child. You may have one parent die and a stepdad or a stepmom come in and raise the child from infancy. But the further you get away from that nuclear family structure of a, a child being raised with the biological mom and dad, the more issues you have. I know that's harsh to say, but it's the truth. You can get away with adoption into good families. You can get away with aunts and uncles. You can get away with a lot of different things that are sort of close to that nuclear family structure. But the further away you get from it, the worse things get for the child's development. So why doesn't the outrage mob always care? Why have they just selected this moment to be outraged about the breakdown of the nuclear family? They've proved to us that they don't actually care about children. They don't care about the nuclear family structure. So why have they selected this? It's important to know. Is it because this Inspector General's report, which just came out? I don't know. But for some reason, they have selected this for the purpose of manipulation. We'll leave that there. Let's go on to item number two. This is a bad situation, and just because it started as a product of the outrage mob doesn't mean that it's a something solely connected to the outrage mob. There's actually a real issue here. The outrage is a product of the mob, but there's a real crisis here. And we need to deal with this crisis, and moral people need to be answering this. As demonstrated in the last point, the outrage mob is not capable of, of handling this. They don't have the moral fabric or moral architecture to. People in the church need to be handling this situation. We need a moral response by, by those who actually have a moral compass. And we must select a response that has compassion and truth. This is very, very important. It's a bad situation, but we shouldn't just go with anything labeled change. As such, change may be worse. There's a lot of questions we have to ask this if we're going to com be combining truth and compassion. You know, what does change actually look like? Most of these children, as stated earlier, they're unaccompanied minors. Do we send them back to their home countries or invite their parents in? Because those are two radically different versions of change. Again, people are demanding change. Well, what does that look like? Does it look like people coming into the U.S. in a larger number? Or does it look like sending the kids back? It's not really clear, especially when they're unaccompanied. Do they come with human traffickers? Do we want to put them back in the hands of human tra traffickers? What do we want to do here? Change is not necessarily a good thing. And one must really be wise to that, especially when your emotions are, are, are high. You've got some, some, some tear-jerking situations in front of you. People can lead you all over the place. It's a really easy way to manipulate people when you've got them emotionally tense. We look at this situation and we ask, you know, what really does change look like? Most of these kids, they're unaccompanied minors, but about 2,000 of them aren't. So what do we do? Do we send them back home to their countries or invite their parents in? Those look really different. But I'll tell you this, the antidote is not more government, which takes us to item number three. Item three, the antidote is not more government. Salvation does not come from government. 
I hate to have to point that out to people, but it's an assumption that a lot of people in our world have, that the government is the ultimate safety net for everyone. No, this is a bad assumption. This is not a Christian assumption. We should understand that salvation comes from God, and if there's safety nets in your community, they should stem out of your church. We have to be really specific about what change is, and inviting parents to come is not a long-term viably good strategy. It's not viable in the long term. And there's a lot of reasons why this isn't viable in the long term. One of the questions we have is, why do people actually want to come? Why would they send their children? If people are wanting to come for freedom, that's one thing. But what if people are wanting because of handouts? If you're going to be intellectually honest about this, we have a welfare state in our nation, and it makes it virtually impossible to tell why people are coming. Churches are really good at dealing with this on the small scale. But governments on the macro scale aren't good at weeding out why people are coming. They just aren't. In our modern world, it's become really hard to tell because the welfare straight, which is, again, a big picture macro item, it has replaced private charity, which tends to be administered by individuals with local interest. It's impossible to tell on the macro scale why each of these children have found themselves in this situation. And this is why localized Christian institutions need to be involved with this so that people can be dealing with these children on a case-by-case situation. If people are coming because they want freedom, then we are now stripping these developing third world nations of, of people interested in freedom, which is only going to cause that culture to di- devolve and to divulge into a, a depth of depravity that's going to be destructive. It's not viable to have people who are interested in freedom to all leave a nation. That will just make that other nation worse. I mean, that's, that's how it is. If you want to end the suffering, we've got to do something about this. It's not long-term viable for all the people interested in freedom to leave. We've got to do something in these places to make their conditions better. And that's not easy to do. It's really easy to mess up a complicated situation. It's really hard to make one better. Hence, one needs really good moral fabric in their life. But, you know, sometimes people are coming because they're coming for handouts as well. This is another reason why people come. And if people coming for handouts, those people, and again, we actually have hard numbers to look at this, they take more in resources from the welfare state than they contribute into it. So that's not long-term viable either. So having people just come here is not a long-term viable option if it comes in at such a rate that it outweighs the rest of the variables in reality. We have to be honest about this stuff. So we must balance compassion with truth. What I've just shared with you is basically the hard truth of this. It's not viable to have a massive amount of of immigration come up, whether it be um, legal or illegal, if you can't actually understand why it's happening, where it's coming from, or what the parameters of it are. If you want to have immigration, you have to understand the parameters of it. You have to understand the, the circumstances. In our current situation, there's just no way of knowing. That's the hard truth of it. But the compassionate side of things says we've got a situation here These children, they need to be dealt with, and they need to be returned to a nuclear family setup. But it's not always easy to do this, especially when people have incentives to put their kids in massive risk to get them up towards the United States. So on the truth side, we can't just have unchecked immigration. But on the compassionate side, we need to go out and do something. And my instinct in this situation is to go out and build orphanages so that we can have a a good place for kids to be. But again... The nuclear family setup is so important. We need to just have the orphanages there. It's a bit of a temporary thing to get kids in a nuclear family setup. And we need to do something as a whole to be rid of the incentives that cause people to put children in these risky situations. Because let's be honest here. 
there's a lot of human trafficking, a lot of, of sexual violence that goes on in the midst of this against these children. This is not a good situation. Having open borders that allow children to be put in these risky situations is just awful. It's, it's terrible and it's unjust to these children. And in response to the fact that a lot of these nations are in bad state, you know, we need to send Christian missionaries to develop these nations and bring Christian virtues and freedom to people. And I hate to bring a lot of, of brutal truths to, to people right now, but there's this sort of mythos that is spread around in, in pop Christianity that you can't criticize other cultures, that all cultures are, are equal, and this is just foolish. There's no law out there in the universe that says any culture is equally good. Some cultures have good things. Some of them have bad things, things like female genital mutilation. That's a bad thing to have in a culture. You know, we actually in the West, we have done tremendous amounts to, to outlaw things like slavery. There are places in the world where they still have that. You go somewhere like Libya, they have open-air markets. Not all cultures are equal. I hate to have to bring that up, but it's true. But again, we make distinctions between vices and individuals. Individuals, even from a, a culture that has bad things, can be very good people. So we need to send missionaries to developing places to bring Christian virtues, to be people like St. Isidore of Seville. We've got some videos on that if you'd like to learn about him. But he's in a really complicated situation in the past, and his solution was, well, you eradicate the heresies, you bring people along, and you assimilate them into an Orthodox Christian community, and you get beautiful things happening. What we need to do is, again, separate the vice from the individual we need to say, look, we're going to deal with the kids who are here. We're going to do away with the, the magnets which bring them up to the situation. And we're going to send missionaries to these countries to, to bring freedom to people and to, to cause a, a churning of people interested in, in liberty and Christian virtue. Let's go back to the meme I mentioned before and address the open borders argument. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm going to just read the meme. It's, it doesn't have any picture or anything with it. It's not terribly stimulating. But it is simple and quite clear. It says, The Church of the Nazarene, comma, as a global family, comma, affirms our citizenship in the kingdom of God and cannot support the separation of children from their parents at the U.S.-Mexico border, period. Border of General Superintendents, June 2018. And of course, that can be found at Nazarene for Peace. So what bothers me about this is that it really is a weak statement. Earlier today, I was a little bit kinder with it. Again, I love the Church of the Nazarene. I love our, our general superintendents. But I can't imagine anyone within the Church of the Nazarene being interested in children being separated from their parents in this situation. I, I really can't. And when we look at this as a whole, when you even look at our, our culture, the outrage mob, they appear to be upset by it too. There's not any vocal voice in the society saying, yeah, separate the children. I don't really see anybody saying that. And if they are, they're certainly an anomaly. But what bothers me about this statement is that it's weak. In fact, it looks like they're trying to appease the outrage mob who started this. They, they instigated this outrage. They instigated all of this, this turmoil so that people can't be rational and deal about this. And I don't like the general superintendents appeasing the outrage mob. Because appeasing the outrage mob, which again, the outrage mob, it has a few Christians in it. But by and large, the assumptions of the outrage mob are secular. The outrage mob, they view government as God. This is why they were so upset in 2016 when they, they didn't get what they want. They see that government is God. God, being the government, is the source of their salvation. Just like in the church, we understand the true God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That is where our source of salvation comes. Well, for these people who are allegedly atheists, but they've actually made government God, they view government as the source of salvation. 
and they look at this situation. Again, the children are coming. They say, oh, well, they're coming to salvation. But there's things in the way. This is a pagan mentality that government is God. And when we appease this outrage mob, it's like making pagan sacrifices. And I don't like the idea of our general superintendents, whether it be conscious or not, basically making a pagan sacrifice by appeasing the outrage mob. I don't like that. It bothers me. And the reason why I look at it as appeasing the outrage mob is at district assemblies and whatnot, the, I've seen GSs come and really grill the churches for not planting new churches. They'll say, you, you're not doing enough to embrace diversity. You're, you should be planting a church. If you go to, to Central America, they'll have a new church on every street. It'll have like a, a little tin roof, and people will be meeting there, and they're all happy together. And they really beat up on the, the people that are within the Church of the Nazarene sometimes. And they're more than happy to do that, but they won't stand up to the outrage mob. And that really, really bothers me. It really does. And if they have stood up to outrage mob, I, I'll apologize in advance because I don't follow everything that they do. And I don't see all the statements they put out. But this one, just looking at it, looks like an appeasement of the outrage mob. And even recently, if you follow our content, we had a video um, out. Um, we've got a new segment, the Church History Dog. And it's my dog, Charlie. Charlie's the one who does church history. And he had a stronger statement than this, than our general superintendents did. The general superintendents, they, they went out and made a statement. There's no social cost to making that statement. Nobody's going to take issue with that. I mean, I guess I kind of am. But I'm, I'm not taking issue with the content of it. I'm, I'm taking issue with the absence of something more. Um, they won't say anything that's a strong enough statement to, to sort of have the outrage mob upset, which I'm not saying just upset the outrage mob because they're an outrage mob. I'm saying upset them because they're, they're pagans. They think the government is God. And they're coming to, to take everything we, we have. And that's, that's a big deal. Um, so Charlie, the church history dog, he made a, a stronger statement about this when he was interviewing St. Angela Marici. If you haven't watched that video, check it out. It's pretty good. Um, Charlie's actually pretty good at doing an interview. It's better than I am. And in this interview, he's interviewing Angela Marici. He says, you know, does salvation not come from the government? Do I not just need to sit around and vote the right people into office to do my charity work for us? That's what the mob would tell us to do. The mob says, be outraged, put the right people in office to do your work for you. But St. Angela Marici says, oh no, oh no, no. You sit down, you build orphanages yourself, you build schools, you deal with this with your own personal responsibility. In the past, I, I joke, obviously at Kingdom of the Logos, we do a lot of comedy. Again, the outrage mob is also really mad at comedy, which probably means that it's an antidote against them. Just my hypothesis here. Usually the, the boss sits in front of um, the antidote. I don't know if anyone out there listening to this plays video games a lot, but even if you look at some of the old stuff from the 80s and 90s, Bowser is always next to the contraption, which releases him down into the lava. Um, in modern video games, the boss is always in front of the antidote. You've got to get past them to get the antidote to kill them. It's generally how that works, and it's pretty true in society too. Uh, they, the outrage mob hates Christianity because it's the antidote to it. It, it hates a small government because that's the antidote to its idol. It hates things like, well, strong statements, and it hates things like comedy because that's the antidote to it. Charlie, in a bit of a bit of comedy, made a strong statement in saying salvation does not come from God, or it does not come from the government as God. It comes from God the Father, the true God with a big G as God. Go out and do charity work ourselves. Don't rely on other people to do it. I love the Church of the Nazarene, but it bothers me that they're willing to appease the mob and not really combat them. You know, the mob will turn any, 
any given time, just like it did with the CEO of Twitter. Again, CEO of Twitter ate at Chick-fil-A and the mob turned on him. You just can't appease these people. The antidote is just to embrace truth and not appease them. All right, well, back to the immigration issue, and let's go to item four, because this is really one of the biggest parts of our conversation today, because there's a lot of people in the church that make this one notion, and then they have a really bad conclusion. So people jump from the notion that we are citizens in the kingdom of God, and the conclusion is that there should be no limits to governmental jurisdictions. Now, that might sound like a crazy thing for people to say, but a lot of people really are saying this. That's what the open borders mentality really is. It's the statement that says, we understand that in the kingdom of God, the, the threshold for entering it is accepting Christ, accepting Christ's testimony and transformation in your life, and you're saved. You're in the kingdom of God. But they take this to the conclusion that government, that's in worldly government, those institutions, they should have no limits to their jurisdictions. And I really want to point out that the understanding that we are citizens in the kingdom of God does not in any way does that claim imply that there should be a globalist movement giving universal authority to governments and expanding their authority. Anyone who accepts Christ and his testimony can enter the kingdom of God, but that does not mean that secular government should have no borders, that they should have no policies, that they should, that they should be open to anything and should just com- constantly be collecting more and more power especially when the things that they are collecting end up being antithetical to gospel living and are being slushed around in a chaotic way that causes turmoil. Currently, the open borders political mentality is not something which originates from within Christianity. There are a lot of Christians who really embrace this policy. I'm not discrediting their faith, but the political movement behind it originates from a secular movement which sees government as God. Not, you cannot forget that. It wants to make government as large as possible, And many times throughout history, we see the church being tricked by people who use compassion and charity to trick the church. This is another one of those times. The church and people in the church are being tricked by this mentality because it sounds nice. It sounds like empathy. It sounds like charity and compassion. But if we look just below the surface, we'll see that this masked ideology is rejecting truth. It wants to prey upon the church using that thing I called sophistry earlier. It uses fake news and sophistry to use Christian virtues against Christians. When a crisis emerges, a select few of the normally rejected Christian virtues are brought out to get moral people to concede liberty that they would never normally concede. And then after they've conceded those liberty, the government steps in to fill in the void. Government compulsion is neither charity nor is it compassion. Do not believe anything else. Often, the claim that we are citizens in the kingdom of God is used to justify this second claim that there should be no borders. Worldly governments are not the kingdom of God. They aren't. There are a lot of people who, for some reason, think this worldly governments are not the kingdom of God. And it's idolatry to think so. It's amazing how many people leap from the transcendent nature of God. They say God is transcendent. This is a transcendent thing. Therefore, government jurisdictions, they should have no limits. They should just expand perpetually. If anything, the claim that we are citizens in the kingdom of God should instruct us to emphasize checks and balances on governments, to prevent them from growing in size, that they become an idol. Naturally, one of the best ways of shrinking governments is to localize governments, to get governments smaller and smaller, to have smaller jurisdictions rather than larger jurisdictions. To this issue at hand, this is a bad situation. It's been chosen by the mob for a political purpose, and this is evident by the fact that they are not holistically upset about the dissolving of family and the nuclear family. Even though this has emerged as selective outrage, we still have to deal with it. 
It must be dealt with, though, on moral terms, not on the selective, pretend moral terms of the people who started this outrage. It's a bad situation. It actually is worth being outraged at because it's a bad situation. But the people who started this outrage, they're some very corrupt people. Currently, we have conceded so much power that it's difficult for the church to deal with this. So much power has gone to the government that it's hard for what my desired response would be to manifest. Of course, my desired response to this would be to go down to the border, set up orphanages, get children concentrated somewhere where they can have good influences and and be working quickly to get them into a nuclear family setup. And in the meantime, send missionaries down to developing countries. Remove incentives that put risk these children in these dangerous situations. Remove the risk, remove the incentive for this. Even right now, I would go down and open an institution to take these kids in. And that's, that's a different thing than saying I want to go volunteer for some secular institution. Because again, a lot of these institutions there do things which wear the mask of charity, but a lot of times they don't want you to spread the gospel. You can't teach anything that might impose on the kids. Well, there's a reason why, and they're antithetical to the gospel is why. These people are anti-theists, they're not just atheists. We must have Christian institutions set up to deal with this. But that's really not viable since we've given so much to the government. So clearly the antidote is not more government. As we're wrapping this up, the majority of these children really are unaccompanied minors. And even those who are traveling with parents, they may not actually be with parents, but they may have been brought along with human traffickers. Just to say, well, send them back to their parents, that it may not work. You may actually be putting people at a risk of, of death and, and rape and a lot of horrible things. If you go back just a few years, then kids were being put in the cages in 2014, basically. You look at this, they tried to send some kids back in the midst of these, these situations, and some of them got sent back with human traffickers, and tragedy happens when that happens. You can't just send them back with whoever it claims to be their parents. You've got to have something to verify this. So my heart is broken over this, and my heart is broken for many reasons. One, these children deserve something better than this, but also our culture deserves something better. If we do not address the problems that are inciting, incentivizing this sort of situation, the chaos will only endure. If I've said it once, I've said it many times. Without discipline, the pathology will win. Thank you for joining me today. Go out into the world and maintain righteousness. Again, I'm J. Dylan Proctor with Kingdom of the Logos.